Ladies and gentlemen, and any other way you like to be identified, welcome to the Mind Body Musings podcast. This is your host, Madeline Moon, and today we're going to be talking about a topic that I have alluded to a while ago, and that background is pretty important. But before we go into that, um, I want to have a moment of respect for what day it is. It is September 11th, 2019, and it's not actually that today, the day I'm recording this, but when it comes out, it will be. And it's going to be my first time to be in New York City on this day, and I know that the energy, the the air about the city is going to be incredibly heavy. And I want to honor anyone on this day who has been um, personally affected by losing a loved one on this day, anyone who was in New York City when this happened, and everyone else in the entire world. Just I'm just honoring everyone, and I want to share my love to you, to anyone who's been personally affected or has lost someone, because I imagine this day, it's already so heavy for everyone, especially here in America, and if you have lost someone that you loved which I know many people did, um, you in particular I want to send my love to today and know that the entire city is, is going to be sending our love to everyone today um, and remembering to unify as a, as a culture, as a country, and to come together because we don't know what every day will bring. We really don't. So tell someone you love them today hug someone, give someone a smile on the street. Um, And yeah, that's that. So today's episode, another heavy thing, another big topic that we're going to be talking about. So we talk about white privilege and manifestation is the way I think of that word when I think about it. And Madeline, why are you talking about this? So If you listened to episode 249 with Taylor Simpson, that was a question that I threw at Taylor. I was like, let's talk about, she talks about manifestation and I asked her, let's talk about white privilege and manifestation. And um, as I explained in the next episode after that, so I did this episode with Taylor and then I explained in the next episode, episode 250, what heartbreak and betrayal can teach you about sovereignty. I explained why that wasn't the best question to ask her and in the way that I asked her because I didn't prepare her at all and this is a very big topic and it's something that needs to be given proper planning time breath unpacking like really figuring out the verbiage and the language of how to come at something like that and uh, especially being white women white straight white privileged women if we're going to be having this conversation, we really need to do our homework. And what's better is to actually bring in a voice that's not just ours and to pick their brain and to give them the platform. And so I asked her this question about what do you think about white privilege and manifestation? And her answer wasn't super satisfactory to a lot of people who really were curious about that question. And in the next episode that I did, I did a follow-up on, hey, everyone, I'm going to, I promise I'm going to talk about this topic. Just give me some time to find someone to bring on the show to talk about it because I'm still interested and 
I, it's so beautiful what happened, but I was actually reached out to by the person who created that original meme. Maybe you manifested it. Maybe it's white privilege. And that's the meme that I was talking about with Taylor. And um, she had heard me talk about it on that episode. Like out of all the episodes she could have clicked on, she just clicked on this one with Taylor Simpson and heard me talking about her meme. And she reached out to me, uh, Karina Rosella is her name. And she said, I would love to come onto your show to talk about this meme and to talk about why I created it and what kind of energy it's created and what's been circulating since this meme has been on Instagram. And I was a full body yes to it and nervous, but she was so gentle in her approach and she's a very humble person she knows that there are many other people who could speak about these topics to an extent and to a personal level that she cannot and so she gives references to tons of different people and resources that all of us can go do our due diligence and research to learn from to go deeper into uh our ancestral lineage and white privilege and not through shame and not through how dare us and not through saying, and it's not by taking anything away from us from saying because we're white, we haven't experienced trials and tribulations and hardship. That's definitely not true, but there's also a responsibility that we do have for simply acknowledging, like that's where we can begin is acknowledging our history, acknowledging the history, acknowledging what part we may or may not be playing, especially in this spiritual community. And two, do what we can because we do have a say and we do have power and we do have responsibilities to be putting out messages that don't further marginalize people and further shame, blame, or hurt people, confuse people because there is a way that spiritual bypassing and even gaslighting can be happening in the spiritual community unconsciously. I do think that gaslighting can happen quite often maybe unconsciously, maybe not, when people are saying their true feelings, sharing with someone how they were hurt and the other person saying, well, you're just projecting. Well, maybe it's not a projection. And sometimes people will avoid saying sorry and they'll phrase it in a different way so they don't actually take responsibility and say, I'm sorry. And that is gaslighting and it's not a a spiritual thing to do. It's actually quite harmful. So in today's episode, we're going to be getting into a lot of topics. I definitely did prepare for this episode and brought forward some questions that I had been waiting to ask in regards to white privilege and manifestation. And she does an excellent job being very caring and very kind in her answers and responses. So let's listen to her bio. Karina Rosella is a writer, herbalist, and tarot reading practitioner based in Joshua Tree, California. Born in rural Humboldt, County, California. Some of her earliest childhood memories were of making friends with the flowers and trees growing in the vacant lots behind her house and sitting in her dad's vegetable garden. Most of Karina's adult life was spent working in social services and community based nonprofits with gardening and cannabis jobs on the side. In her mid 20s, she picked up her first tarot deck and started learning by reading for others and herself. Karina also spent more than three years in Latin America, including more than two years living in Oaxa, I hope I'm saying that right, city, working as an ESL teacher, and lived a short while in Barcelona studying global health at the university. In 2015, she ended up back in Humboldt County working in the healthcare system and attained her master's degree in applied anthropology 
all the while cultivating more than 30 medicinal plants in her backyard, prompting, prompting her to start making herbal medicine to give to her friends and community members. In the early 2018, she made Rise Up Good Witch her full-time job. Her background in community organizing, social work, health education, and research greatly informs the work she does with herbalism, tarot, her writing, and the Rise Up Good Witch podcast. Ah, oh, such a good conversation, such a beautiful soul, and I know you're going to get a lot from this episode, so I just encourage you to take a very big, deep breath and let it all out. And get ready to learn and get ready to dive deep and to unpack and to maybe take responsibility in a few places that um, you haven't or you didn't didn't realize. And I know I'm sure still coming to realize a lot of, of things and being more careful in how I speak about messages. And yes, share this episode with your friends if it impacts you forward to someone that you think would be interested in learning this side of things rather than just the same old manifestation podcast. This is a new way to look at manifestation, a healthier way that actually is going to be much more inclusive for all different people. And if you haven't left a review on the podcast yet, what are you waiting for? You could do this in your app right now. And it's such a beautiful, brilliant, nourishing way to give back to this show and to help it be seen more, especially as the years go on. I've been consistently doing this for six years, y'all. It's a lot of hard work. And so every time someone who is a devoted listener to the show takes the time to leave a positive review, it makes a difference. It really does. So you can do that on iTunes and you can also not do that and just continue to listen. Either way, I'm happy that you're here. I hope you have a beautiful, brilliant day and enjoy this episode with Karina Rosella and I talking about white privilege and manifestation. Welcome to the Mind Body Musings podcast. I love how full circle this journey has come from you listening to the show in 2014, which is insane, to now being on here, being referenced on the show a few episodes ago without us even realizing it, you hearing that episode and now reaching out and now here you are on, on my podcast to go into this incredibly deep and, and needed topic and conversation. So I am so happy to have you here. I love that the universe has brought us together in this way. And I just want to say welcome. Thank you, Maddie. It's, it's an honor to be here today talking to you. Yeah. And so I'm curious when you, you heard, um, by, I did an, in, in the intro to this, uh, episode, I'm talking about the podcast where I was talking about this particular meme 
that you had made, which I think is just so, so amazing. And we're going to get into that because I have a lot of questions mm-hmm. about that. But did you actually just pull up that podcast interview where I was referencing and just, it was a happenstance, happenstance? It, it was. And um, like I've told you, so I've been listening to your podcast. You, your podcast was one of the first podcasts I started listening to in 2014 when you first started, um, because I was really, uh, I had like an issue with exercising. So I was uh, looking for like health and wellness podcasts. And, and I've kind of like come to it and then, uh, gone away from it and come back to it. So every, uh, once in a while, I'll still listen to your web, uh, to your, um, podcast, um, and, and just see what you're up to. And I think I listened to the one that you did after it and you had done an addendum about the idea of manifestation and white privilege. And I thought, Oh my gosh, what a, maybe she, she's talking about my meme. So I went to the previous one and then I listened to that one. And it was really like, as soon as I heard the conversation start, I ran to my computer and sat down to email you. (laughs) I, when I saw your, your email pop in my inbox, I was like, no freaking way. (laughs) Because I had, whenever people had heard that follow-up podcast, I got recommendations on people I should talk to, which I still am like, okay, maybe I will go down that path and, and talk to them about this and them about this, because, um, you had written something in your, your email to me that was so beautiful. And I I wanted to read it now. Um, you had said, I want to really stress that I'm not here to shame anyone or make anyone feel bad. We are all in a deep learning process of how to be better. But I think for us as white folks, it's important that we look at how small everyday actions perpetuate histories of racism and oppression. Looking at that is going to make us feel bad, but it's not going to be comfortable or fun, and a lot of emotions are going to come up. But it's our jobs as people who have benefited historically from whiteness to deal with the discomfort and move through it. And when I read that and how much compassion and grace you had around this topic and around talking to me about this topic, you were definitely the first person I was like, okay. I mean, I talked about her meme. She's so open to having this conversation and exploring it and teaching with love and and compassion. And yeah, you just you were the perfect person for me to bring on to enter this this conversation and this topic with love and and help all of us understand these little everyday things that we're doing that we really don't know and we're scared to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the reasons that I really want to approach with love and compassion, um, fellow white women and white people is, you know, I don't think that, um, well, first of all, it's, I, I should never be, um, at the forefront of the conversation about racism because I am a person that benefits from white privilege. So the people that really should be telling the stories and gaining the recognition, um, are people of color. And, um, I, I want to stress that I want to stress that it's really important to learn from people of color and it's important to pay them for their work. Um, but I, because I benefit from white privilege because systemic racism does not personally affect my life. Um, I do have, the room to act with compassion. Um, and, and that's not to say that, uh, there's not compassion within people of color, because of course there is, but sometimes, you know, if we feel like there's anger coming at us or, um, aggression, if that's the way that we see it, uh, it's not our place. Also, if that's coming from a person of color, it's not our place to judge that because we don't know their lived experiences and we don't know the things that people of our same race and maybe even us have perpetuated. So, uh, I think it's important, like, uh, you know, 
know, for white folks, when we're talking about white privilege and racism, um, we have to do it with love and compassion when we're talking to other white folks, because we are all kind of in this together. We're all, you know, we have to kind of like encourage one another to do this work. Um, and by, you know, sometimes I think when like, other white people, and I'm not speaking about people of color, because again, I cannot police their anger. Mm. Um, it's not my job, you know, it's not my role. Like that's stepping out of my, my lane. If I police, um, someone who's not white, uh, their anger, but for, uh, other white people, when other white people feel anger or get defensive or get angry at other white people, um, you know, and I've done that myself, but when it comes down to it, that's, you know, we don't have to live with the systemic racism. So it's not fair for us to get angry because we still need to be working on ourselves, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, wow. So I want to ask you the question I always ask people, and that's what you're currently musing about in life. But I actually have something else that I just need to ask. Wow. Okay. This is like such a, this is such a strange question, but I'm realizing how uncomfortable I am with the terms white people and black people. And I just want to put that out because I don't think I've ever said that white people and like you're just saying it and I'm like, OK, I should be able to say this. Why do you think that me and maybe other people who are listening to this and, and avoid using those terms? Is this something that we all need to become more comfortable with saying or is there something I really need to acknowledge about my own discomfort with saying white people, black people, different colors? Well, I think, um, what you bring up is, is like really valid because it is uncomfortable to talk about race, but I think that, um, for a lot of us white folks, we have, um, ignored the conversation because it makes us uncomfortable. But the reality of it is that we have to have the conversation in order to grow and having the conversation does mean that we're going to make mistakes. Um, I make mistakes all the time and the point of speaking and being open about our process is in order to, um, is in order to grow. And, you know, we're trying to grow without, um, doing more damage and more harm to communities of color that have already dealt with like generations of harm from white folks. So that's why I think like white people, we need to within, you know, name, name our privilege. First of all, yeah, I think the reason it's important to say is we have to name it. We have to acknowledge it. Um, the things, this is like shadow work, you know, and I know that you talk a lot about shadow work. So like part of shadow work is acknowledging like the parts of ourselves that are, um, you know, potentially harmful that, um, you know, the parts of ourselves that are uncomfortable and moving through that discomfort is like part of healing work. It's absolutely impossible to do healing work without, uh, doing shadow work, which I know that, you know, and it's impossible to do healing work without, or it's impossible to do shadow work without naming discomforts and, um, making mistakes and going, you know, having emotions come up that are not happy and glowing all the time. Mm, yeah. Thank you for pointing that out. Okay. So I, I do want to ask you what, what is it that you are, um, really currently musing about in life? And this can be in any arena. It can be what we're talking about specifically today with this, with the discomfort mm -hmm. and uh, with white privilege and manifestation or just anything in life. Cause I know that you are so um, full and well-rounded with all of your interests and passions and desires. 
Yeah. So I'm an herbalist and a tarot reader. I have, and I have a podcast myself. Um, I do a lot of things under the name rise up good, Witch. and one thing I've been thinking about, so we really have to look at histories of colonization and the harmfulness of, you know, the way that capitalism looks in our society today in everyday life. And for me, as like an herbalist, something that I think about a lot is, uh, that I've been taught a lot of times, um, you know, through my mistakes and through teachings from people of color, indigenous folks, about um, my relationship with plants because I make plant medicine. So something I've been thinking a lot about is um, I'm up in Northern California. I currently live in Joshua Tree, but I'm from Northern California and I'm up here um, working on a garden, like a little herb garden. And I've been thinking about relationship to plants and Um, and actually love and love spells. And one of the cultural uh, kind of ideas around love that we're trying to break out of, which again, I've heard you talk about is this like idea of possession. And we live in this culture that's very like codependent, like, Oh, you love someone, therefore you need to possess them. And I think about that with plant medicine. So if I'm walking down the street and there's a mill and there's so many beautiful flowers right now, maybe like years ago, I would think I'm going to pick all these flowers and make myself a bouquet. But thinking about kind of like breaking free of these toxic concepts that we have of love and also the way that we, um, you know, this land that we're on has been colonized and stolen. Um, Just like you can walk down a street and see a flower and appreciate it and love it and get something from it. And you don't need to pick it because picking ends its life. So I kind of that's something I've been thinking a lot about because right now I've just been outside a lot, like harvesting plants, making medicine and just how beautiful it is, you know to ask plants if we can use them to make healing medicine, but then also the moments where you see a beautiful flower or a beautiful plant and you choose not to pick it because you can coexist with it. And that's a great amount of respect. And it's just healing to be present with it, if that makes sense. Oh, yes. And this reminds me of some some poet, I believe, who wrote something about this, or maybe it's just a quote that's being passed around on social media right now, but it's it's something like that, whereas um, whenever you love, a f- like someone who doesn't truly appreciate the flower picks it to take it home, and then someone who does admires it and watches it grow, like however it may. Um, mm-hmm. I'm totally butchering it, but something along those lines, and I think that is such a beautiful way to look at flowers and plants and things that we love and cherish items and then also relationships which is some of the deepest work that I think we're going to be doing is learning how to do that and especially like at least for for me there's been this obsession with finality my whole life of like till the end and when I look at Mm -hmm. my family patterns everything is so like that like they're born with a belief and they stick with that belief till they die or a person in their life they want to lots of emphasis on sticking with them, sticking with them till they die. And like having this one ritual they do every single Sunday forever. Like it's just a lot of this, um, it it has its own shadow. I talked about this on a podcast recently, actually, it has its own light and it's dark because there's so much devotion within having this one thing, which is beautiful, consistently showing up for it and doing the work for it. But then also at the same time, that dark shadow is ownership and claiming and the obsession with finality. So I I love that you're looking at this from the perspective of your passion, which is plants. Mm -hmm. And, And I think that's so like juicy and cool being able to learn these relationships. Uh, qualities through your art. 
Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, everything is really interconnected. So it's wonderful to be able to go outside and just like look for lessons about life everywhere that we go. So going back to, I know we're bouncing all around, but going back to this <laughs> meme. Um, so the meme that we're referring to that you created is the one that says, maybe you manifested it or maybe it's white privilege. And I want to hear about your inspiration. Um, I was listening to another podcast you were on, so I am informed that you had read this somewhere and then created the meme out of it, but I would love for everyone else to hear your story of how this um, came to be of creating this. And, and I'd also like to hear the initial feedback you received from social media land. Um, yeah, definitely. So, well, it's, you know, my inspiration, it's something that's really far. Re it's like a, a long time because I worked, I mean, now I'm a small business owner and, uh, for years I worked in social services, nonprofit work. I was a grad, you know, I went to grad school for research, like health uh, disparity research. And I, kind of was, I, I come from like a background where when I was younger, I was like really into being like an, a radical activist. And I did like a lot of like stuff with, uh, you know, police accountability and the prison industrial complex. And then as I got older, like, I don't know if you know how much you know about astrology and like the Saturn return. Do you know about that? Yes. Quite a bit. Yes. I know I'm entering that I'm going soon yeah. towards that. That's so exciting. Um, so I think around my Saturn return, I just had this like incredible desire to heal myself. And yet there was like, I feel like in kind of radical politics and healing work, it wasn't, I think now there's more discourse around that, but at the time there wasn't. And I was like doing a lot of yoga and I did my yoga teacher certification. Um, and, uh, I went back into social justice, you know, organizing and nonprofit work. And I was doing things like, going into homeless encampments and doing HIV testing and giving people food vouchers and listening to these really traumatic stories. And I was working with undocumented people in my community. Um, I was working with at-risk youth and I was seeing some of them be sex trafficked and, you know, just all these things that are like incredibly difficult that if you don't see, you know, if you're not in that line of work or if you don't come from that background, you don't see that happening right outside of our door in our communities all the time. And, uh, I worked in social services for 10 years. And then I was also really interested in tarot and plant medicine and yoga and, and healing. And, um, a few years ago, and I was just starting to kind of like bottle my tinctures from my yard and, and like sell them and just kind of just getting into the idea of what it would be like to, to make that shift in my life from nonprofit work into that world. And I thought it would, you know, it would take a lot of time for me to make that shift, but, um, you know, just doing that work every day. And then for me, for my personal healing, because I'm, I'm very, very empathic, like I'm very intuitive. It's really hard for me to go into an encampment and then walk out and just be like, well, it's my free time. I'm free. You know, it's like hard to make that transition when you're empathic. So I would go into these like women's circles and I would go into, um, you know, healing circles or like yoga studios. And, and I just felt like, why is it that these, this healing work being done by primarily white people, um, primarily people that come from financial stability and primarily people who are heterosexual, why is it that there's such a big disconnect? If this is like healing work, why isn't our healing work addressing 
the harms that are caused towards people of color by police? Why isn't it addressing the opiate epidemic? Why isn't it addressing the housing crisis? Um, and I just felt really frustrated, especially after some conversations I had um, with people who I, I love, like I love them and I wish them the best in their life. And we have this, you know, some of them I still keep in touch with and we, we, I love them. We're like friends, but I don't support some of the things that they do. Um, and I don't support the idea, the blanket idea of manifestation because I would be really upset after just like seeing the things that were happening in my backyard and I would maybe like talk about it and I would just hear these things like, well, you know, those people manifested it. The reason they're in that situation is, you know, because of karmic retribution. And I felt like deeply hurt by that. Um, and, and I myself have struggled with various traumatic things in my life. I have struggled um, so for me, it, it just came back to kind of like this idea of stigmatizing people, um, this idea that you're like telling people that have already been through traumatic things, people who have been uh, affected by systemic racism for generations and maybe have lost family members to police violence, maybe have family members who are incarcerated for things that like upper class white people do all the time that is gone unnoticed. Um, you know, I, I just felt like this these people who are so invested in healing, these people that say they're so invested in sisterhood, um, ignoring these huge disparities that we have in our backyard, um, it, it just felt like a huge injustice that needed to be spoken about. And I, when I started my healing practice, I wanted to make sure that addressing the systemic harms was at the forefront. And, um, you know, part of that, like I said, is the shadow work of being like, I know that I've benefited from, I've benefited from systemic racism as a white person. Um, I, I benefit from like, um, from like transphobia because I'm a cisgender person and, um, I can't separate that from my work. So I had seen, yeah, like, I, I think it's really important to acknowledge it, you know, and again, like, I think, and hopefully this isn't too tangential. It's kind of like what you said in that interview, when you mentioned my meme, you said, I am not self-made. And I think it's important that we all understand that pretty much none of us are self-made. We live in collective with each other. We are inspired by each other. We are helped by one another to say that someone is self-made and they manifest something just at, it's like it, it, it kind of like assumes that we're all in a vacuum and we don't affect each other. And that's not the world that we live in. And that's the world I think that like this, you know, the, the world we're living in today is very individualistic, but that's not the reality. So um, I did get, you know, a picture off Pinterest. Someone wrote a very similar post and I wrote them and asked them if I could like, you know, change the sentence a little bit um, for a meme. And I put it out there. And I mean, I had like 150 followers. I had I didn't even like, I'm a little bit older, you know, like I'm like on the cusp of like the millennial Gen X I'm 37. So it's like, I don't understand memes. I didn't even know what a meme <laughs> was. <laughs> and I just, I was like, I'm going to put these, this phrase on a picture. And, uh, it like blew up. It got reposted so many times and I didn't, you know, a lot of it. And still people don't know that I made it, you know, a lot of other people get credit and I've kind of like allowed that because in the end it's, it's, you know, that's my ego that wants that credit. Like, of course I'm a small business owner. Um, I support myself. I want to be able to make it, but I don't 
think that I own this idea because again, we're all in collective. So if somebody else really resonates with it, um, yes, I would like for them to say that they got the idea from me, but it is our collective idea. So, um, yeah, the response was pretty good. I mean, it was actually overwhelmingly good. People were really into it. Um, there has been some pushback, but I think it's been overwhelmingly positive. I think people have been able to like really look at themselves because especially I'm speaking about white people, like white people have been really able to see that and maybe like see how they could perpetuate some of the harmful, you know, parts of like the idea of manifestation. Mm. Well, first I really want to acknowledge you for having this mindset of if other people are inspired by it and don't, uh, don't give you, credit for the meme you're like letting that go that's something that I've struggled with a lot in my life of like hey I created that hey I did that I said that and there's like definitely so much ego within that and it's been a journey of about three years of really like that's some shadow work I've done is letting go of the ownership of something and knowing that all ideas pass through us we are vessels and I really appreciate you saying that because I just got a lot from that hearing you talk about that Um, and I also, yeah, like when I, when I read that meme for the first time, I, I think I just like had to take three deep breaths. I just was like, whoa, like Mm -hmm. how long ago was it now that you created that? Um, it was like, uh, November of 2017. So like a year and a half. Yeah. So I don't, I don't think that I talked about manifestation at all until that last episode that you, you just listened to mm-hmm. It maybe slipped out of my mouth a couple times, but not really. Um, I was talking about it a lot, I think in 2016 and it was that powerful, like a few words were that powerful and it really woke me up. I still wasn't, I had no clarity on it, on like why and what and how and all of these questions that we're now diving into right now. But I remember I, I, I just had this moment of absolute truth in my body. Like, wow, this really is very oppressive to people talking about. And then and then I started getting very I started unfollowing people who were talking about manifestation and and abundance is just all in the mind and I remember this one woman that I followed wrote something on her Facebook was like uh, whatever like your bank account is a direct reflection of your mindset something like that <laughs> and that was like I got super upset about that and it was really this beginning of me getting curious and what are we doing here because she is a white woman and I was just thinking right. and I just started taking no and then I started realizing oh my god like all the people I follow on Instagram right now are talking about this and so I went through a deep cleanse and cleaning of that and a few women in my life have uh, still been staying in my social sphere because I love them, but there's still been things that I have heard about manifestation that I've had questions about, but I didn't really know how to talk about this because it is so like, wait a minute, I don't know. Because here's a here's another thing. How do I phrase this? I One thing, okay, so if someone talks about manifestation and there might be a part of my body that goes, oh, this feels like what we're talking about, white privilege. Like this feels kind of oppressive to people. I don't know if that's true, if my bank account should just be a direct reflection of my mindset. But then also there's another voice that comes up that comes from the self-help world, from the secret mindset and the law of attraction that goes, you're just being triggered by their success. 
Mm. You're just being triggered by their success. They're, they're showing you something right now that you have your own deep money wounds. And so you feel triggered by hearing them talk about these things. And you're, you're, you, so I go even deeper into the manifestation mindset. Like, does that, does that make sense the way I'm describing it? Yes, because the other thing is like, it's really important for me to say that it's, it's not black and white. There is something to be said for, you know, and I do believe, you know, I don't believe in the manifestation, the way the secret and the law of attraction explain it. But I do think, you know, I do new moon rituals myself. Like I am a witch and I believe in calling things into me, but I think, okay, you can't, that's not the only thing that goes into it. That's the thing that I think is important. Like if you're working on manifesting something in your life, great, wonderful. Don't act like that's the only thing that has to do with anything. Um, I mean, this has to do with a sickness too. It has to do with systemic mm. racism, but it has to do with illness, ability, mental health, trauma. Um, the, the idea of like, you know, I just, it kind of like, you know, it kind of harkens back to me to like the idea of like women or people who are sexually assaulted being, you know, being asked, well, what were you wearing or what were you doing at that time? You know, that's what the manifestation thing reminds me of. It's kind of like blaming the victim. Mm. So I think like, if, you know, like Maddie, if you want something in your, you know, if you're looking for something in your life, like I totally would encourage you or anyone else to do whatever practices that you want that within reason, you know, that are respectful, that aren't appropriative, that aren't harmful, um, do those practices to try to bring that in. But if it doesn't come to you, if your bank account is not looking great, that's not because you didn't work hard enough on your manifestation. The world is a chaotic place. Things happen. Um, And like someone who is a single mother or someone who has gone through traumatic events or someone who has lost family to police violence or overdose or, um, someone who's having major mental health issues. That's not because they are in a, they're, you know, having negative energy. It's because that's the way the, the, you know, that there's a lot of horrible things in the world and people don't deserve that. Um, and that's like the thing that I find really harmful about just like that blanket, like, yes, manifest it. That's it. That's the only thing that there is. There's nothing else. Um, you know, it's, it's just not real. That's not real. That's not the real world. Mm-hmm. I, I 110% agree with everything here. So just so we, we put it into more, um, literal terms so people understand what you're saying is that if someone is really wanting to, to call in let's use the word, the phrase, call in a better career, do what you can, like create room in your life for something new to arrive. Tell your friends that you're interested in something new, like tell the, the, the universe or the world that like you're ready for that next chapter in your life. Um, read the books that will fill you with that energy. Like that's all good. But you're saying that if someone is, um, trying to manifest it and it's not happening in their life at that moment, don't go down this rabbit hole of, well, what am I doing wrong? I can't believe that I'm still not creating room for this dream job. Like I must be failing at this. Like there, obviously it goes much deeper into this and there's lots of different like areas that we could go into, but something that someone's listening to right now, that may be kind of an example. Yeah, definitely. I think like what you're saying, it's like, I think there's this really black and white binary within a lot of manifestation and the secret that I've heard from people. And, um, you know, if I, I, I don't know about you, but if I'm having a bad day, if something bad happened, 
I don't, the last thing you want to hear is like, well, what do you think you did to bring it in? (laughs) You know, that's hopeful at all. That's not compassionate. That's not helpful. And yet that's what I'm hearing from these people that call themselves spiritual healers. So I just think like, if you're going to be a spiritual healer, um, you have to be compassionate. You have to be non-judgmental, and you also have to have a um, perspective and and a level of education on things like systemic racism, on transphobia, you know, on just like these things that are happening in our world, like border, you know, what's happening on our border, the oppression that's happening against like migrants and and like you know people that are dying in our in custody. Um, it's it's really important to consider these things if you're going to be a spiritual healer and not just have this blanket like we're all working from the same deck of cards because we're not so how do we do that like how do we educate ourselves on all of these different topics and what's happening at the border and what's happening in other countries because I'll be completely honest that I avoid reading the news I avoid Mm -hmm. it I don't read the news I'm in my little bubble here I hop on Instagram and I teach what I teach and I do my podcast and I try to spread the messages that come up for me that I feel need to be spread, but I am so limited in world news and partly it's because I have watched it destroy the mindset of my father in many ways. And I just have a lot of bad feelings about it. And so the more that I stay away from that kind of energy, the better I feel, which I realize is such white privilege. Like I can afford to do that. I can Mm -hmm. afford to be like, eh, I don't feel like reading that today. And I'm not trying to put myself down in this process right now. I'm just trying to admit like that is, I fully acknowledge that and see that I have, I have, this is a choice for me, not something I have to do. Right. right. It is. It, so it, yeah. I think that's an important distinction to make. It is a choice for us, um, white folks and uh, people from any pri- privileged group. You know, it's just like a lot of men, you know, like men, uh, cis men who we might know, like they don't need to educate themselves on like, vi- you know, r- like not to say that there aren't men and like non-binary people that haven't been experienced sexualized violence, but it's just like if something doesn't je- um, affect you. Like, and, and also not to say that police violence, for example, doesn't affect, you know, white people, like, you know, a lot of like people who are unhoused or people that have mental health issues. But in general, like if something doesn't affect us, that's our privilege. We have the privilege to ignore it. And if we want to see systemic change, if we want to see collective healing, what we have to do is open our eyes. And once we open our eyes, that's when we start to see things in ourselves that are like, oh, no, 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 I don't want to be part. I don't, you know, and I think that goes back to your question about it's uncomfortable to hear white people. It's really uncomfortable because you're like, no, 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 I don't want to be in that group of people. Like when you say white people, you make me think of all these horrible things that have happened historically. And I don't want to think about the fact that like I share that quality with those people. Mm. But to do the shadow work, to do this collective healing work, it is really important for us to open our eyes. And when you talk about like, you know, how you don't want to be in a negative mindset and have your mental health affected by watching the news, I think, you know, there's no reason to, yeah, like my parents also have the news on eight hours a day at MSNBC, watching the same exact clip of the same thing and just like ranting about it. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't think that that's like the effective thing to do either, but I think exposing ourselves to other perspectives, um, and also, you know, there's like, I, I want to like make a couple of recommendations for people to Please. follow yes. and 
Yeah. And definitely like when I say to follow these people also, like they have offerings. Um, and I would really recommend folks cause I hope, you know, this conversation for folks that are listening and this is a new idea. I really hope it doesn't end here. Um, there's, yeah. So there's Layla Saad has an amazing podcast called good ancestor. She also wrote a, a, a workbook called me and white supremacy mm-hmm. that, um, is for download on her website. It's a super important resource for white, for us white folks to, um, do to like go through and it's really uncomfortable. It's not fun. Like I said, it's not, <laughs> you're not going to be like, this is such a fun activity. It's going to be hard. It's going to bring up some stuff that's going to make you feel bad. Um, but it's, that's part of shadow work. Um, so all of Layla Saad's offerings, uh, Sharon Holmes, who on Instagram is gutsy girl art. She, I haven't done her workshop, but she does have a workshop called unpack your privilege. And, um, she has a Patreon, which, you know, it's great to join people's Patreons. If you're low on cash, you can give them like $5 a month. Uh, Rachel Ricketts, I took her webinar. It's called, um, spiritual activism. And, uh, it was super helpful. I really recommend that to people. And, um, my friend, um, who's on my podcast, Marissa de la Pena, and she's a, um, She's an indigenous woman and a divination tool maker in Los Angeles. Um, and she offers so much free education on her Instagram, uh, Serco Tarot. So, um, you know, those are some people that's not, that's like four people, you know, I chose four people to mention today. There's so many. And I would say like, expose yourself to like these people don't go in there to like argue with them it's really important for for white folk for us to to not go in there and be like well i'm gonna tell them my perspective Mm -hmm. just go in there as a listener and if you learn something you know you know take a course or join the patreon or send them money for a cup of coffee um it's that's part of like you know reparations for harms that our ancestors committed so um there's, there's little things that we can do. Watching the news sometimes isn't helpful because like a lot of news is really slanted, but, um, but yeah, just exposing ourselves to these things and learning more. Don't expect again, like you said, like you're, you you know, you don't want to feel bad and you don't, um, like from watching the news and you don't want to, you know, you're in the process of learning more. Um, don't expect to know everything overnight. You know, you're not going to know everything overnight. I think that's another part of the culture that we live in is it's like one thing that I've noticed also about social media, people are like kind of phobic about showing their process. Like nobody wants to be like, I'm at the beginning of learning about this. People want to be like, I've been doing this for X amount of years. It's okay to be in the process. You're going to be learning. And as you learn, you'll make mistakes. Um, And the most important thing is to just learn from your mistakes, like surrender the ego, let go, don't get defensive, just be present, you know, use those like healing practices of like deep breathing and meditation and yoga to really just like open yourself up to how okay it is to be wrong and how okay it is to make mistakes, but it's important to learn from them. I really appreciate the references that you just gave in the resources and also encourage people to like actually like, yeah, paying for a cup of coffee for them or doing their course and paying Mm -hmm. their Patreon. I think that is so, so important. And I'm really grateful you're giving these kinds of resources because oftentimes, um, 
Well, first off, that's being like curated by an actual living, breathing soul that is coming forward to be of service and to help. Whereas with the news, you just get what you get and it can feel so overwhelming and you really have to unpack it and come to terms with what you believe on your own, which you really will have to do in any of these courses. But it's different and it feels colder. I never really know. I feel so helpless oftentimes with what I then do with that information when I'm watching the news. Um, and, and I don't think that's something, I think that's something we need to actually look at is that feeling of helplessness, especially as being these like living, breathing creatures with this, all of us with this feminine energy, this desire to heal, this yearning to heal. And Mm -hmm. when we feel really sad and helpless about something that could be a potential wake up call for where we could go and serve. Like I've been feeling that way, um, with this whole, new Alabama law of just what the actual fuck and what do we do here? And then I get on Instagram and people are sharing their quotes about it or their rage about it. And I feel weird because I just think to myself, do I just post something about how angry I am about this? And that's, that's it. And then I get, I don't know what to do. Like even, I guess this is a question too, is when we feel like we're like you're an you're an activist and when you feel called to make change what would you say to people who are not activists feel particularly strong about something do you is sharing things on social media it's better than nothing then yes well yeah thank you for those thoughts and that question I think like I want to reiterate because I think it's really important I don't want anyone to hear this and think that I'm like an example of the right way to be or like the way that white folks should behave because I make plenty of my own mistakes and I have you know harmed people in the process of my own learning um and I'm just another person like learning with all of us so you know again like I really hope people like go out and find their own information But, um, what I would say is I think, yeah, like for you, Maddie, you have a huge platform and you've, you know, you've earned that through years of work and your own transformation. You've done so much of your own transformation. So I, I'm really happy that you're inviting this conversation. And I think, you know, as you become more comfortable and more educated, um, it's important to, yeah, use your platform. And, you know, one thing that's come up for me is that, Um, you know, when you have a big um, social media presence or a big presence, um, people suddenly want you to be the spokesperson and, uh, that's not our role as white women. Like we're not supposed to be spokespeople. I have, um, a dear friend who is a woman of color who says, um, you know, we want to write the curriculum. We want to write the curriculum for how this needs to be done, but we need white folks to step up and teach our curriculum. Um, because we can't be doing the work all the time. Like we need allies. We need accomplices, um, in white women who really care about our liberation. So I think, um, it, you know, it's important to educate ourselves, to read, to pay women of color and people of color to teach us. Um, and it's important to listen. Uh, so it's, it's good to do all of those things. And then it's important to share that information and to have conversations with other white folks. Mm. So it's like, if we're in a room or an environment that's full of people of color who are talking about their experiences, that's not the time for us to speak up. That's not really like the time for us to be like, well, I have something to say. That's like the time for us to listen. But when we're in these circles that are mostly white people, um, 
or all white people, that's probably the time for us to say something, you know, just to, you know, so like, you know, like you said, you said, oh, I, I'm like a really compassionate person. Um, and, and that's because like, I'm also learning, you know, like I'm not, if I get angry at you and I'm like, Maddie, you're not doing enough. And I'm like mad. That's just my own fragility. That's just my own ego. That's just like me trying to put myself above you. And that's not cool. Mm -hmm. Mm. When it comes to these circles, then what would you, what would you offer as a piece of wisdom people can take in with them? Like when I, I live here in Brooklyn and and all over the world, there's just lots of these like full moon women circles. And mm-hmm. oftentimes it is just a bunch of white women gathered together. And yeah. there's a altar in the middle and they're singing and there's like talking about what we're wanting to call in. And it's beautiful. And I love it. And also like what you're saying here is there's something there is a, a um, there's historical, there's a historical presence that's missing. There's a gap that we're all avoiding. Um, and oftentimes it's, it's not intentional, right? It's just, it's not the way things are. How do we recognize that and pay tribute in that kind of circle, like these full moon circles? What would you offer as something that would be really great for women to start incorporating or including? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think something that we can start with is just making sure that our full moon circles and our practices are not, um, contributing harm to communities of color. And one thing that's been coming up is like the overharvesting of white sage. So white sage is something that a lot of people burn, um, and it's being overharvested. And this was a sacred plant to people who were indigenous to this land, to Turtle Island. Um, and one movement that's been happening is like, so why are we burning these herbs? Why are we using these crystals? Like, are we using it? Cause we heard from somewhere that that's healing. Uh, we need to connect to our own ancestral, um, you know, our own ancestors, our own ancestral practices, and that's how we heal. So I burn rosemary and I burn cedar because, my ancestors were primarily from the Mediterranean and that's probably what they used. You know, I don't know for sure, but those plants are uh, native to the lands that, that I am indigenous to. Um, whereas like white sage is, is like, uh, it it really, I think, you know, unless you want to grow your own white sage, which is, you know, easy to do, or you can grow garden sage, um, using plants that are not over harvested because that's just, you know, that's just like a, a capitalist kind of thing of like, Hey, you know, a lot of big or, you know, urban outfitters or whatever are like, Hey, buy this like healing kit, but we don't know why that's a healing kit. We don't have any historical or ancestral connection to understand that. So I think like, really looking at the way that colonization, um, just like in cultural appropriation are in our healing circles. Um, the word tribe should not be used by white people. Like a lot of white folks, I think say we all came from tribes and that's not untrue. I mean, we did, but that's a lot, you know, we're not connected to that anymore. And that's a word that like specifically talks about like government, you know, our governments, re, you know, regions and groups of people that have like lost their land and like many of their ancestors. So like words like tribe spirit animal should not be used because, mm-hmm. um, and my friend Marissa who, do, um, who's on Instagram, Serco Tarot, and she talks a lot about this, like spirit animal is like a freight, you know, if you're born into a certain indigenous group and she could speak to this better than I could, but you're given a spirit animal at birth. So when people are like, 
oh my God, Kylie Jenner is my spirit. I don't know. I just like see these things and I'm like, no, 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 no. Don't say that. Um, it's not respectful. So I think like, you know, gypsy is another one. That's a racial slur. Like gypsy is a racial slur. I like every time I make a post on Instagram and I look at like all the people liking it, it's, there's always somebody with gypsy in their name. And I, I'm just like, no, no, no. And I try to post about it, but these are kind of things that as white women, I think, and white people, we have to have these conversations and they're uncomfortable. You know, I've had, I have to have conversations with people that I like who are my friends and be like, Hey, I noticed that you're selling white sage, or I noticed that you use the word gypsy. How about not doing that? Cause it's disrespectful. And luckily a lot of people are like, Oh my bad. Like I made a mistake. I shouldn't have done that. Thanks for telling me. Some people get really defensive. And then I would just ask like, why are you being, you know, what's your attachment to this word? Because gypsy, you know, gypsy refers to the Roma people who were systemically killed in World War II, you know? So it's like, why do we have, why do we feel the need to use these words that are harmful? So I think like if that, you know, hopefully that answers your question. Like when you talk about these like full moon circles, let's connect back to things that are like deeply meaningful to us and our ancestors and not just like do things because we were told to do them. Oh my God. That was so amazing. Thank you. And (laughs) you're right. Like we there, it's really important to look at why we feel defensive about things. It's really interesting that you were talking about spirit animals because that's one of my quick fire questions. Like I always ask Mm. like, what's your spirit animal? And, um, like, and I feel like right when you're talking, I'm like, okay, I'm going to erase that question. Cause like that makes so much sense to me. And I feel, um, I feel there are ways that we can ask it without asking it like that. Um, and I think that's, yeah. that that's like the least I can do right now is just change up that I, 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 there's no attachment that we should have to these words. So I'm really glad that you pointed that out so that I can do my part there. Um, and then also connecting with the herbs from your own lineage. I, where do you recommend people get more in touch with their ancestry? Because I don't feel like I have those resources to know to know who was before me. And it's really quite sad. And I really want to know more about this. And asking my folks doesn't really get me anywhere. Hmm. So what, do you, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think it's something that a lot of folks are thinking about. Like for me, it's like my dad's family was like directly from Italy. So like I have that connection that's always been strong my whole life is that like I knew that my dad, you know, I don't speak Italian. My dad doesn't. They, they were very like they came here and they were like, we're going to we're going to be homogenous. We're going to just like fit into American culture. And that's what our European ancestors did. A lot of them um, is, you know, some of them were colonizers. I also on my mom's side. Uh, there's people on my mom's side that own slaves. You know, there's people that came here in colonial times and they were really horrible and brutal. And, um, then, you know, there's other parts of my family came here more recently, but I think like, um, you know, we don't have that connection because of colonization. We are so disconnected from our, and, and a lot of folks say, that that's why there's like this feeling of like lot, you know, a feeling of like emptiness or a feeling of lost. And, and a lot of like indigenous folks that I've heard. Um, and again, I can't speak for them. I've heard that, um, that's a lot of white folks are just looking to find that connection and they're doing it with the practices that their ancestors exploited and, and stole. And that's not the way that we find healing. So I guess like to go back to your question, um, 
I mean, you can do an ancestry test, you know, there's like, some people are like, well, then the, the, like Google has your data, which I don't know about that, but, um, you can do an ancestry test. You can, there's lots of like European folk magic books. Um, and depending on like what region you're from, but just, you know, there's so many plants that come from Europe that are amazing to burn. Like I said, cedar or mugwort is from Northern Europe and mugwort is an amazing plant to grow, um, or to grow and to, to burn during ceremonies or to smoke or to take in a tincture. Um, and that's great for, for healing. And, uh, I think it's just like doing that, you know, learning about what our ancestors went through, you know, where, what their lives were like back then. And, that's the kind of the way that we connect to those histories and sort of like understand how we got to where we are today. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the questions that I oftentimes ask people like on dating apps, which is just like, <laughs> how, how do I get to know this person really well, really fast? And I always ask them, like, if you could wake up tomorrow morning and be one person for an entire day, who would it be? And what's the first thing you would do? And, uh, for me, my answer to that question is always someone that is in my lineage, maybe like going back 10, 10 generations. I would love to be in that person's shoes, like a woman, like, what is she doing? What is her life like? Because it's such a mystery to me. And yeah, like I, I feel like there is a huge gap there and there is a lot of searching for meaning of like, where do I come from? And I can see how that really plays out in my life of trying to find community and why we have these full moon circles that are brilliant and beautiful because it creates this feeling of community but also like what individual work can we do to, to even on our own by ourselves to figure out where we come from and fill, fill that desire as best we can to feel, uh, in sync with, with those lands. There's a really beautiful book called if women rose rooted, um, by this Irish woman. And she writes about one of the number one things we can do as people is just connect with our original land, connect with our land and then connect with the land we're currently in. Just do what you can to learn all about land, like your land, where you're from. And, um, and then I think that kind of goes in with her title of like women rising, being rooted mm-hmm. wherever you are and where you are from. And so I, I love that you brought in that perspective and sharing your own, I guess you could, you know, your own, not rituals, but like things that you do that are very unique to you and your path rather than what everyone else is doing, because we definitely don't want to be burning things, burning sage, just to be cool and have these crystals just because they look cool and we think we should be doing it when in fact it's really like not doing good things for our planet. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, I think, you know, I teach new moon workshops and I always, you know, I write like a, when I do them online, I always like have like a preparation uh, page that I send out to folks. And it's like, here's how you build your Newman ritual to, you know, like our last sign that we did was Gemini. So these are all the plants that associate with Gemini. But I also say, you know, look for what's outside your backyard. Like, I don't want you to go out and spend a bunch of money getting everything that relates to Gemini. Choose things that intuitively feel right for you. And, um, you know, we don't have to do healing. We don't have to spend money to practice healing work and to do, um, ceremony. Like we don't need to spend money. That's 
like, you know, something that was taught to us by the world that we live in. That's very based off of us spending a lot of money. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's so many plants to burn and that's like when going back to your question about what we can do, like on a small scale, I think we need to stop over harvesting, um, spirit, you know, herbs that are sacred to indigenous cultures when we don't even know why we use them. And we don't know where they were grown. Mm -hmm. We don't know how many pesticides were sprayed on them. So that's why I'm into, you know, plants. I think you can just grow your own plants, connect with them and use them in your own practices. And that's such a much more magical process than like going and buying something when you don't know where it came from and you don't know why it was used. So if you go to a new moon circle or a full moon circle and there's a bunch of white sage, you know, it's, not again like it's not a comfortable conversation but just saying hey i noticed you're using white sage would you consider using something different maybe you know or just like do you know about plants your ancestors grew um and opening that conversation is really a great starting place Mm. i also read something about the dangers of uh burning palo santo and buying palo santo and i don't really remember what they were going into but there's something very similar to white sage um, and how the, the trees are being cut and chopped and dying and there's fewer and they're really a crucial part of our ecosystem. Yeah. So Palo Santo is very similar as white sage in that they are being over harvested because, you know, a lot of people in the United States, like people who are primarily white are like, I need Palo Santo because I heard that that's a thing that I'm supposed to like burn if I want to be spiritual. And it's sort of the similar thing. And also you have to, you know, the, the tree, and I don't know that much about it, but the tree that it comes from is not, doesn't, isn't grown in the Northern hemisphere. So then you have to think about like the fossil fuel, like the labor costs, you know? So that's why I say like, go outside your door, um, go outside. You can burn mint. I mean, there's so many things that you can burn and that you can, that can be sacred to you that you don't have to like, that doesn't burn fossil fuel, that doesn't, you know, contribute to environmental over harvesting that doesn't like exploit indigenous cultures or disrespect them. Yeah. And like you were saying at the beginning of this podcast, maybe you don't need to burn it at all. And that's the most spiritual practice you can have. Exactly. Not needing that in order to touch base with the divine and, and heal. Like you don't have to pluck it and burn it. It can all happen within. That's, that's symbolic really. Exactly. Wow. Oh, this is so good. So before we go into the divine deep dive round, do you have any last piece of insight that you would like to share with everyone listening? Um, I mean, I think this has been a pretty thorough conversation. Again, um, I just want to like end with if you feel uncomfortable, I, and I have a, a dear friend that, that said this once, who's a person of color and just like an amazing, and who's a, you know, does her own healing work. And she says, if you feel uncomfortable, that's good because discomfort is, is room for, it means that we, we have room to grow and change. It's only through discomfort that we have room to grow and change. Mm. That's so beautiful. And I, I too acknowledge everyone that's tuning into this episode, listening to this and even allowing yourself to take the time to go into this discomfort for an hour. Like, thank you. Like, thank you everyone for being here and for listening to this. And then where can people connect with you so they can learn more about you and how they can pay you for your awesome tarot (laughs) services and all the goodies that you provide. I know you have an herbal shop, which is like fantastic. Yeah. Um, so my website is, uh, www.riseupgoodwitch.com. And yeah, I have an apothecary. Um, I make medicine and, 
I have a tarot practice and astrology practice. So I offer one-on-one consultations and I have a Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash rise up good, witch, where I offer full moon readings and new moon zines, um, weekly posts about tarot and herbalism. So if that's something folks want to learn more about, I try to keep it really affordable at $5 a month. Um, just, you know, so people can keep learning from me and also, you know, like it's, you know, $5 isn't a lot, but then if 20 people join, that's one of my bills, you know? So it's like, that's kind of like the way that I run my business. Um, so yeah, there, you can check me out or I'm on Instagram and I'm pretty active there. Rise up good, Witch. beautiful. And I will have all of those links on the show notes to this episode as always. Okay. Divine deep dive round time. <laughs> what is one must read book? Oh my gosh. Um, you know, I, there's a book that I think is really difficult and, and really important that I read several years ago that, that like is coming to mind. It's called killing the black body. Um, I can't remember who wrote it, but Dorothy Roberts, I think. And it's about the history of when you, you know, cause you brought up Alabama and the abortion rights. Um, this is about the history of ways that, um, you know, reproductive health and abortion rights have been used, um, in, in conjunction with violence against black women. So I think, um, we need to educate ourselves about abortion rights. So that's one book that just came to me. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Mm. What's your favorite form of movement right now? Just ways to move your body. Um, uh, I guess like going on walks and picking nettles in the forest with intention and respect <laughs> right now. Yeah. With my uh, gloves on because they sting. Mm. What do you want to be praised for more than anything? Um, I think I want people to recognize that I'm, uh, my authenticity and my, uh, willingness to be wrong and to grow. What living, breathing human being right now, I guess who is your teacher or mentor? I guess I, (laughs) that's such a hard one. Um, someone that I've like read from the time I was 18, who's been, um, you know, really inspired me, like her work has really inspired me would be Angela Davis. Hmm. If you could live anywhere in the world besides your current home, where would it be? Um, I used to live in Oaxaca, Mexico, so I'd probably go back there. Or maybe in my ancestral lands in Italy. Mm. That would be mm. cool. Oh, yeah. Wow. That'd be amazing. Yeah. What's your favorite scent at the moment? Smell that really lights you up? Wild roses. Mm. Wild roses. What's the difference between roses that I think of and then wild roses? Just like wild roses. Yes. And they are so much more fragrant. And if you find, um, and of course, again, like if you find a wild rose bush, you don't want to like over harvest it. But if you, um, like there's some wild rose bushes growing here in the garden that my dad's garden that I've been using to make medicine and wild roses are the most fragrant cause they haven't been genetically modified. Um, they just, they really, they're so fragrant. You walk by them and it's just, it's like perfume. If you were an inanimate object, what would you be? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Maybe like a feather. Mm, I like that. Yeah. 
just go in with the flow. Yeah, just to like go in. Yeah. Okay. Last question is: What's your favorite meal right now? Um, vegetable soup, probably, or okay. Yeah, or tacos. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. I can get on board with probably yeah. both, but more likely the tacos. Yeah. Delicious. Well, Karina, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for coming on the Mind Body Musings podcast and sharing your insight and holding all of us in your gentle, encouraging guidance and constantly paying tribute to other people as well. I really appreciate that you are you are consistently bringing in other voices and the importance of going to other people, people of color as well, to learn about these topics. But also with that said, you still have so much insight and wisdom. Like I, I, I love the way that you talk about things and you share and knowing your background, you've done so much good work in this world. So this is a treat, really. This is such a treat. And I'm so grateful to have had you on today. Thank you so much, Maddie. It's just such an honor to talk to you. And it's been a real honor just to like see you grow. And I'm like rooting for you in the world. Just, Mm. yeah, I'm excited for you. And I'm excited for this conversation. So thank you. Thank you. Everyone, make sure you go head on over to the show notes for this episode, maddiemoon.com forward slash Karina dash Rosella. And you can get all the links that we mentioned and anything else that we talked about that you want to revisit. And we would love to hear your thoughts. If you would like to share them with us, you can go to either one of our Instagrams. You can let us know there. You can go to the show notes and leave a comment and tell us what did you learn? We would love to hear from you. Share this episode with a friend. Like that's an amazing, amazing, amazing way to spread this message more so that we can all become a little bit more educated and hear about these resources that we don't hear about every single day in our own circles and communities. Um, So yeah, let other people know. And as always, we look forward to having you back for another episode next week. Thank you.